well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm so glad you've joined me today. We're going to be talking about a story out of the Lone Star State, although, frankly, we can see similar stories uh, all around the country. Um <laughs> Here's the uh, the headline. This is from the uh, Texas Standard, which, by the way, is a public radio program uh, in, in the state of Texas. I am pleasantly surprised to see the coverage uh, and the tone of the coverage from the uh, Texas Standard. Houston purchased 800 guns in buyback program. Will gun crimes go down? The uh, subheadline, Mayor Sylvester Turner hailed the program as a success, but research shows that gun buyback programs have not been effective. Yeah, they're right. I'm just a little surprised to see a uh, public radio outlet actually acknowledging that. But, you know, we are going to see, in fact, I think we are already starting to see more of these quote-unquote buyback programs. I, I, I don't like that phrase. We've talked about this before. I prefer the phrase compensated compensation or con- let me try that again. compensated confiscation. Because I think that's closer to what it is. Um, these cities are not buying guns back because they didn't sell the firearms in the first place. Uh, instead, they're giving you money in exchange for you handing over your guns, right? And as part of the, uh, what was it, the American Rescue Plan, it's so hard to keep track of the trillions of dollars in new spending that's come from the uh, Biden administration. But as part of, I believe, the American Rescue Plan, uh, cities across the country got hundreds of millions of dollars to spend Pretty much how they saw fit, right? Uh, as long as they could say, well, this is for public safety, um, they could spend it on whatever they wanted to. Uh, and a number of cities have adopted the buyback model, including the Richmond, Virginia, not far from where I live, where uh, Mayor LeVar Stoney originally announced they were going to spend a half a million dollars on a, a quote-unquote buyback program. That has now been reduced, I believe, to like $60,000. I'm not sure where the extra 460000 or 440000 is going to go, but uh, I'm sure the mayor has plenty of friends who have, you know, violence prevention programs and things of that nature. But in uh, Houston, Texas, the uh, Texas Standard reports that using those federal funds, the city of Houston recently spent more than $100,000 purchasing more than 800 firearms at a gun buyback program aimed at reducing gun violence in the city. Mayor Sylvester Turner hailing the program as a success, but as to whether the program will result in a reduction in gun crimes is an open question. Actually, I don't even think it's an open question. It's just not going to happen. You know, last year, Rochester, New York, held a gun buyback, and the mayor at the time, Lovely Warren, who uh, eventually had to resign because of illegal gun possession charges um, and campaign finance, charges. That's what actually she resigned because of, because the plea deal that she took, they dropped the gun charges. Anyway, uh, lovely Warren said at the time of Rochester's buyback that it was going to make a difference. It was going to bring down violent crime. Rochester, New York right now on pace for a record high number of homicides this year. Gun buybacks don't reduce crime. They don't reduce accidents involving firearms. They don't reduce suicides in which a gun is used. The only benefit that a gun buyback program has is for the politicians who put them together because they get to write a press release or actually they have staff write a press release, uh, you know, praising uh, them for the uh, uh, action that took guns off the street. 
right? So the Texas Standard spoke to a guy named uh, Mark Anderson. He's an economist at Montana State University. Last year, he co-authored a paper, Have Gun Buyback Programs Worked? And he and his colleagues found that, uh, again, no, they don't. So the Texas Standard uh, asked, okay, so your study didn't find any sort of impact in terms of reducing violent crime. Why is that? And here's what he had to say. He said, it's still somewhat of an open question. He said, most of our answers are speculative or based on anecdotes. But, you know, I think there are a couple of things. One is the price is pretty low for most of these quote-unquote buybacks. Two, there's this selection effect because it's voluntary exchange. Who's turning their guns in? Is it the person on the margin who you really want to get the gun out of their hands? Probably not. The size of the program, he says, was something we really tried to dig into as well. We said, okay, well, maybe we wouldn't expect a gun buyback where, you know, 30 guns are brought in to be effective. But what about some of these larger ones where there's, you know, a couple of thousand guns being brought in? And, you know, sure enough, he says, we did not find that those were effective either. Even these larger scale buybacks, quote unquote, were not particularly effective in the United States. Huh. How about that? So much for reducing crime. Way to spend a lot of tax dollars. Hundreds of thousands across the country so far. Millions more, I'm sure, by the uh, end of the year. Uh, The uh, Texas Standard also uh, then, I think, had a logical follow-up. Okay, well, if these things don't work to reduce violent crime, why do politicians keep proposing them? And Anderson said, you know, I think it's a great question. He said, this is something I've thought a lot about. I often think, well, maybe the gun buyback is something that's not really a contentious gun-related policy, and it's easy to implement. And it's not met with as much pushback as the more, you know, contentious types of mandates or policies like, you know, large capacity magazine bans or assault rifle bans, which don't have much across the aisle support. So, you know, maybe that's a reason. I, I, I think that's a maybe that's a nice academic way of saying it's politics at work. That's why, because politicians love to offer soundbite solutions that don't actually do anything. I almost had to bleep myself there. But they sound good to people who don't think much about this particular topic, right? If, if, if you're a politician and you want to show that you're doing something about violent crime at a time when violent crime is on the rise, at a time when police departments are scrambling to put officers on the streets, well, a gun buyback, quote unquote, um, it does make some political sense, right? We're going to get these guns off the streets. We're going to get these battlefield weapons of war out of the hands of American citizens. We're going to give you a whole cold hard cash in exchange for them. Uh, and by doing that, we're going to make the city a safer place. And then they can tout, you know, in, in the case of Houston, we took 800 plus firearms off the streets. We didn't really take them out of the streets. You took them out of attics. You took them out of gun safes, whatever. But these are not guns that are used in a lot of crime. These are not owned by people who commit a lot of crimes. So the impact on violent crime and public safety is, as Anderson says, going to be negligible. But the political popularity of these programs, uh, I I think, is um, still something that politicians are going to factor in. So what I'd like to see more of, frankly, is this type of reporting and skepticism Exhibited by the Texas Standard. You know, again, most of these buybacks, quote unquote, are taking places in blue cities or in blue states. Gun buybacks are not really popular, I I think, anyway, in uh, in more conservative parts of the country. 
So it's one thing for gun owners to say, hey, this is a bad idea to show up at our city council and say, this is stupid. This isn't going to do anything. We should be speaking out. I, I just don't know that a you know Democrat dominated city council is actually going to pay much attention to what we have to say. However, if the media starts calling out these cities and these politicians, why are you doing something that studies have shown is completely ineffective at reducing violent crime? I don't think it's going to stop these buyback programs from happening. But it would at least it would at least force these politicians to face a couple of tough questions for once when it comes to their soundbite solutions. All right, let's turn our attention now to today's armed citizen story, our uh, good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll, we'll uh, start there with a headline out of Indianapolis where a man charged in a homicide last month had uh, gotten a plea deal in a previous murder. Just six years ago. Yeah. How about that? Um, According to the Indianapolis Star, 33-year-old Najee Givens is facing a murder charge in connection with the shooting death of 25-year-old Timothy Rucker Jr., who was found dead in a home on the uh, 5200 block of Padre Lane in Indianapolis back on July 17th. Um, Givens was arrested over the weekend on this charge of murder. Uh, he was actually, I guess he was already in custody on a charge of unlawful possession of a firearm by a serious violent felon. So he was in custody, but again, arrested on the uh, warrant charges while he was behind bars. According to the Star, Givens was previously charged with murder in connection with the 2016 killing of 19-year-old Terry Williams at an apartment complex on the east side of Indianapolis. The Marion County Prosecutor's Office dropped that murder charge as part of an agreement in which Givens pleaded guilty to reckless homicide. Uh, Michael Leffler, who's a spokesman for the prosecutor's office, uh, said, I can't speak to the plea agreement negotiations as the deputy prosecutors involved in the matter are no longer with the agency. But the net result was that Givens was sentenced to six years in prison. That's it. And he actually only served four. Two years were suspended. Now, after, or that was what he was sentenced to. As it turns out, after he violated the terms of his agreement, Givens did have to serve the entire six years, but again, only six years within the uh, Department of Corrections. Apparently, you know, hadn't gotten out uh, long before uh, he was uh, accused of uh, uh, killing this individual. Uh, Now, again, behind bars. One would like to think that uh, we're not going to see another plea bargain offered in a separate Homicide investigation, but um, I no guarantee that that's going to happen. We can actually see the same thing take place once again. Just rinse, repeat, and the revolving door of justice just keeps spinning around faster and faster. Today's Armed Citizen story from Bullhead City, Arizona, where a uh, homeowner shot a, a 19-year-old who was uh, threatening him with a knife um, actually threatening uh, another individual with a knife, uh, Elijah Christian Cole Abel, arrested on uh, two counts of aggravated assault and criminal trespassing this past weekend. According to the uh, Bullhead City, Arizona Police Department, it was about 4.30 in the morning on Sunday when police received a call about a shooting at a uh, condo complex uh, where an unknown man had been shot and then fled the scene. Uh, when officers arrived, 
they were informed that an unknown male dressed in a black sweatshirt with a hood on and mask covering his face, kind of unusual attire for, uh, you know, August in Arizona, uh, was uh, looking inside parked cars there in the parking lot. This is a gated community. One of the residents uh, who lives there came out and said, you need to leave. The uh, suspect apparently told the guy, well, I'm looking for cigarettes. Uh, the resident had a baseball bat with him because, again, stranger walking around. He said, no, you need to go. Guy continues to walk around the complex. The uh, uh, resident kind of follows him there with the baseball bat saying, you need to go. You need to leave. That's when the suspect then threw a rock at the resident and approached him armed with a knife. The resident then hit the man with a baseball bat. As the resident started to back away, the uh, suspect reportedly continued to walk towards him again, knife in hand. That's when another person who lives at the condo complex saw what was going on. He, too, came out, told the man to leave. Uh, police say the second or the suspect continued to walk towards the first resident with a knife held up in his hand. The second resident then fired several rounds of the suspect, and the suspect then jumped over the wall and fled on foot. A couple hours later, police uh, were alerted to the fact that there was a guy at the local hospital being treated for a gunshot wound to his leg. Uh, they went out and spoke to the man, identified him as Abel. Uh, found out that uh, he had been living in the Bullhead City area as a transient for approximately three months. He was additionally arrested for an outstanding felony warrant out of Washington State for failure to follow conditions of parole. Once he was released from the hospital, he was booked into the Mojave County Jail in uh, Kingman, Arizona. The uh, two residents of the condo complex, uninjured, uh, the uh, police report notes that the complex is surrounded by five to six foot high block walls with locked gates. There are no trespassing signs. Uh, so I'm guessing that the uh, armed citizen who defended his neighbor not going to be facing any charges. Obviously, the same cannot be said for young Mr. Abel. And finally today, our good deed of the day, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to help a neighbor out, Eli Shipman in Spring Hope, North Carolina. It was uh, not long ago that uh, Eli Shipman came to the aid of a neighbor after the neighbor's lawnmower toppled over and pinned him underneath the lawnmower by the way was uh, at least smoking at the time if not uh, erupting in flames outright uh, shipman said he'd been running errands and was about three miles from his home when all of a sudden he saw a bunch of smoke he said he thought somebody might be burning leaves but when he got closer he saw an orange hard hat peeking out underneath a uh, toppled lawnmower that uh, again was smoking so Eli Shipman stopped his truck, called 911, got out, ran over to the ditch where the lawnmower was, again, pinning this guy. He was able to lift the lawnmower onto his knees and then twisted his body to lift up the mower enough to allow the guy pinned underneath to at least get an air and get some air in his breath. Shipman said he finally started talking a little bit. I was telling him everything's going to be all right. Uh, Shipman, by the way had recently undergone surgery to his back. His doctors told him, don't lift anything more than 10 pounds. Riding lawnmowers way more than 10 pounds, but uh, Eli Shipman, in that moment, he said, God gave me the strength because I don't think I could pick up a lawnmower like it by myself. Uh, the other community members joined Shipman's efforts after seeing what was going on. When emergency services arrived, they were able to get the mower all the way off the gentleman, pulled the man out from underneath. He was then uh, able to sit upright, Eli Shipman says one of the most fabulous feelings is seeing that old man sit up in the gurney and then, then putting him in the ambulance. Um, Shipman says he's not been able to reach out to the man since, but he wants to know how he's doing. He says, you got to give glory to God always first and foremost, because it's him that gives us the power and the accountability to be there 
at the right place at the right time because God was watching out over him too. He used me as that vessel to help him. So thank you, Jesus, Eli Shipman said. Well, thank you, Eli, as well, because, you know, even if you believe that God put you in the right place at the right time, it was still you who were willing and able to do the right thing, albeit maybe with some help from above. That is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program. As always, we will be back tomorrow. Should be a little uh, cooler in Central Virginia, so I don't think I'll be sweating while I'm doing the show. Got to turn off the AC in the uh, old uh, office here. Uh, anyway, we will return with more of the latest segment of news and information that you need to know about. But be sure you're checking out BearingArms.com throughout the day as well. If you like what you see, you can always become a VIP subscriber. Just go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. As our way of saying thanks for showing your support for the independent pro-segment reporting we do at Bearing Arms. We're going to give you exclusive news stories, analysis, stuff you won't get anywhere else because your support does matter and it really does make a difference. So thank you again. Enjoy the rest of your hump day Wednesday. We'll see you back here on Thursday. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.